All right. Here we go on a Sunday morning, the first Sunday of 2021 in Las Vegas. It's just after 8 o'clock. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. First and foremost, I'd like to wish everyone a very happy and healthy new year. I know we've been waiting for a long time, and Caleb, you're not going to like this, or maybe you will, but at 12.01 on Friday evening, or call it Saturday morning, we could officially and factually say for the very first time ever that hindsight was truly 2020. <laughs> yes, Caleb's working on getting set up. I'm glad he can't rip on me with that. But <laughs> listen, if you are listening for the first time, we are here live at the same time every weekend, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. Today, we are at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar at 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from the old Cashman Field and, of course, the Neon uh, Graveyard. If you haven't seen it, it's awesome. Come on down. Kickers will be our home. For a while, because due to COVID-19 protocol, all live shows have been kicked out of the Fox Sports Residential Baycorp studio until further notice. So come on down and join us during the show. Kickers is giving away free donuts and orange juice and offering mimosa and Bloody Mary specials during the show. Uh, so we, once again, includes co-host Caleb Herring, the last UNLV quarterback to lead the Rebels to a bowl game. Caleb back after a week off to spend a portion of the holidays with his family in California. A couple, we actually you were here last week. So, uh, I'm looking at old copies of what's happening. <laughs> but uh, anyways, um, Caleb's here. We've got, of course, the uh, only intern in the country with his own theme music. The Wiz! Nobody beats the Wiz! Nobody beats the Wiz! I, I'll, I'll get tired of that. Yeah, you will. Eventually. One day. It'll wear off. No, I don't think so. He's, he's the greatest intern of all time. The guy to my left now, we've got his mic work, and he's hooked up, of course. Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback. The last quarterback to take the UNLV Rebels to a bowl game, and uh, that's going to hold true for a while, it looks like, from what we saw on the field. Next year's year. our year, baby. 2021. Rebels are going to get it done. Yeah. Just watch. Everyone's hoping 2021 is their year. And also, I want to mention back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Studio, producer and future WWE star, There you go. You got it right. See, now that now we can start really pushing these promos because I think the name is everything when it comes to WWE. Like, you have to have a catchy name. Well, he is. And his real name, being the longtime uh, uh, producer and uh, personality over at Lotus Broadcasting, it's at Demond Cotton, and we appreciate him. The show is also streaming live on the LV Sports Network. You can watch the show on Facebook Live. The page is called Outline. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. And you can also follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Outline Fox LV. That's at Outline Fox LV. And since we are live, your call and questions are welcome. The Fox Courts Residential Banks uh, Bank Corp Studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company you can turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. On tap, as expected, the Vegas Golden Knights announced that practices for the upcoming 2021 season will not be open to fans 
but they're going to make sure you stay hooked up and know what's going on. We'll tell you about that. The college football COVID-19 playoffs are now the final game. And if Ohio State wins that game, with only eight wins. That just doesn't seem right. And if you have seen the E60 special, the Black Hole, and you are a Raiders fan, you might want to make your way down here to kicker because joining us live on location is two stars of that special, the president of the Las Vegas chapter of the Black Hole, Cisco Kid Ortega, and the guy who narrated the special, Monster Raider fan, and original Black Hole member, Team Raider 19, Henderson. We will also be talking NFL Week 17 and the playoff picture. Plus, it's our final regular season game uh, picks of the week. So you want to check them out. We've been kind of hot lately. Again, if you are in Las Vegas, come on down, grab some free donuts and OJ, and join us here at Kickers Gaming and Sports Bar at 931 North Las Vegas Boulevard, just down the road from Cashman Field. And right now, no one's in here. We haven't been promoting it, so probably pretty soon it's going to get kind of packed in here. Now would be a good time to come down and check it out. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you own, currently uh, choose a company you can trust, and that is Residential Bank Corp. America, one neighborhood at a time. You know, before you play Nightcap, I just wanted to wish everyone out there a happy new year. Again, Caleb, this will be our home for uh, uh, for the foreseeable future, man. It is beautiful. The artwork, the decor is great. Being a Detroit fan, I forgive them for being a Green Bay Packer. Jennifer Metzger, the, one of the owners of Kickers, is from Wisconsin. The other guy from Berkeley, Michigan, Dylan Reese. And Dylan not here today, but uh, oh, there will be Lions-Packers battles all the time going on in here. The place is awesome. It's a, one of the very few standalone sports bars in downtown Las Vegas. They've got 17 TVs showing all the big games. They got the Sunday ticket. And the cool thing in here during the games, the sound is on, people. You can check out what's going on. They're also a full, they also have a full-service tavern license, which means they have the ability to sell the beer that you enjoy here for you to take home. Pretty cool and a rare license that Kickers does possess. All that is cool. Come on down again. 931 North North Vegas Bay Park. Starting next week, the party is going to go on. So we're looking forward to having you all come on down here. And uh, right now, let's uh, let's check out Nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. A camp presented by Martin Harris Construction on January 3rd, which is uh, today. The team will take the ice without fans in the bleachers at the National Arena. Though the public will not be permitted to the rink for the on-ice sessions, the team will have extensive coverage of camp so fans can stay up to date on the latest stories coming out of the team's fourth season. And the training camp bulletin presented by NextGen will give fans an inside look for on-ice sessions at City National Arena. Fans can catch live stream of practice on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch with community, um, with commentary, I should say, for members of the AGK broadcast team. Each day the team is on the ice. The team, uh, timing of each session will be announced the team plays. You can check out Twitter each morning to find that out. And as we mentioned last week, the Golden Knights 56-game schedule will feature division-only opponents, very rare during the regular season. And, hey, the Vegas Golden Knights will face the division opponents a total of eight times. 
And for the first time ever, the Minnesota Wild have been moved into the Vegas Gold Knights Pacific Division of the Western Conference. Kind of unique. Uh, they were supposed to play the Minnesota last year right before uh, the pandemic hit. And uh, everything went on pause for a minute. But they will open the season against the Anaheim Ducks at T-Mobile Arena on Thursday, January 14th. And they will also face off against the Ducks two nights later on January 16th. Game on. The hockey going and if you check out the review journal today a really good story on who'll be starting goaltender mark andre Fleury or robin leonard and caleb we're not going to talk too much about the knights as we'll talk a lot about them in weeks to come but i think it's established robin leonard was signed to be the goalie of this team with mark andre Fleury backing him up but mark andre Fleury doesn't want to have any have any of that yeah i think it's it's franchise. It's the right decision. I think you have the handoff, the passing of the torch, so to speak, without that bridge gap, those bridge years that you talk about with franchises and programs and organizations where there's kind of a year between your star guy and then uh, you take a break where you're trying to find the next guy. I think the Knights are fortunate where they have the next star between the pipes already on the roster. And it's the, the transition that becomes an issue of can your your old guy handle it? Can, can Andre Fleur handle it? He has the character to be the guy that handles that. Although he's a competitor, he doesn't want to be the second guy, but it does help to not have those, those, those years in between your, your star player, if that makes sense. Like Leonard has definitely proven that he's a guy. And I think he's your number one without a question going into the season. So it's just a matter of if that transition from Mark under Fleury to him can be smooth. And that's more of an off the ice issue. You, you just don't want to have it be an on the ice issue where you're trying to figure out who your goal is going to be in the meantime. So that that's fortunate. I, Coming up in the season, one of the interesting things that I think that maybe hockey's getting right that people would have wished that football would have gotten right is so the access to practice, I think, for, for college football. Maybe just in, in Vegas where there wasn't any access to practice. I know the casual fan might not care about watching practice too much, but the media and the press, watching practice kind of gives you the, the feel of what the team's about or what's going to happen week to week. So the inability to do that for the press in sports – takes away from some of the narratives, I guess, the story building that we can create based on what we see in practice. Like, we have no idea what we're going to see week to week until games start. So I think it's cool how they're going to manage this live feed of practice, this live stream of practice is uh, a very inventive way to to give people the access that they want to the team so that we can know what's going on. We can be in the know and feel like we're a part of this thing, even though the, you know, the nature of the sport and, and sports in general doesn't really allow for that fan contact. We can have it in some sort of way. So that live feed, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out. And um, if that's something that other sports adopt, having live feeds or practices, I know maybe there's some issues with people recording it and, and sending it to other teams maybe, but it'd be pretty cool to have a live feed of practice and, and see what's going on with the team throughout the season. Anti-personal communication. It is the wave of the present and hopefully not the wave of the future. But I think virtual practices, virtual, you know, of the ability to see practices virtually, games virtually, this is what we live in, the world we live in still. 2021 isn't going to change that immediately, but I do think eventually we will see, we will see that could change. My hat won't go straight, Caleb. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. It's driving me nuts. But anyways, uh, um, you know, that is something that is that people are going to have to get used to. It is really cool that the Vegas Golden Knights have stepped up, made this possible. And as far as the goaltenders go, the Vegas Golden Knights are in a great position. As long as both goaltenders stay content, they will definitely use them both throughout the season. But I think it'll be kind of like a three-to-one with uh, Leonard getting three games to every one of Marc-Andre Fleury. That's my prediction on it. But you never know. Fleury gets hot. Leonard gets cold. That can always change because you're talking about a guy that's going to be backing up the starting goaltender, in my opinion, which is Mark andre Fleury, backing up Robin Leonard. It's a Hall of Famer, man. So are you ever going to go wrong when he gets the start? Probably not. 
But um, being said, let's move on. I want to talk about uh, college football playoffs. And, you know, you heard um, Dabo Sweeney, and I think he kind of lit a fire under the ass of the Ohio State Buckeyes by saying they didn't belong and they weren't even in the top ten based on the number of games played, not based on the personnel on the field. But, again, doesn't he know? I mean, he's one of the greatest coaches in college football history, in my opinion. He has completely made Clemson relevant throughout college football. Whenever you mention college football, you don't take a breath without saying Alabama and Clemson. And yet, doesn't he know better than to fire up a team with the ability of Ohio State with a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback that uh, showed why he was a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback throwing six touchdown passes in the game? Uh, why would you do that, man? It's Dabo. It's Dabo. That's just how he is. I mean, he's he's one of those coaches, and and one it kind of irks me a little bit. That's that's bigger than the game. Like he turns into this kind of, I don't I don't want to say mythical, but this kind of bigger than life character, and he has to live up to that every time he's in front of a microphone. It seems like where he has to say something that catches your attention or that spurs controversy or whatever the case may be. He's just that guy. He's a larger than life character. So you you understand him being him and. To be honest, Ohio State probably didn't belong in the Final Four. Just playing six games and the way that the Big Ten bent the rules just so they can play in the championship game was a little bit skeptical. So, I, I mean, I understand him saying that. But truth be told, Ohio State's been one of the better teams for the last six years. I mean, they've been top five, six teams in the nation regardless of how many games they played. And anybody being honest with themselves could have said that, and they showed it. Uh, it's not like Ohio State needed the extra motivation. I they talked a lot about how they were motivated enough all season because of the way their season ended last year and that loss to Clinton. So the chance for them to redeem themselves was enough, I think, to light a fire under them. And then Dabo just added coal to the fire, which is like, yeah, stupid. Why do you give the other team bulletin board material? And then to get absolutely waxed the way they did, we're just like, this is why you just need to be quiet and play football. Learn something from Nick Saban. He, he would never do that to an opponent, especially one that's actually good and able to beat them. Like, just keep your mouth closed, go play football, or go coach the game and 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 let the chip fall where they may. But I'm going to talk about it because I said it on this show, and I was, I guess, thought that, that Justin Fields is not that far off or shouldn't be that far off from Trevor Lawrence as far as where they're drafted. And I think teams would want to move up to go get a guy like Justin Fields. To me, he put a staple and a stamp on why he should have been invited to the Heisman ceremony. I know he didn't play enough games, and I know that's a definitely a part of it. But Justin Fields has been one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. If not, in my opinion, he's been the best, most versatile weapon that we've seen in college football at quarterback this year. Trevor Lawrence is good. He's, I'm not taking anything from him. But if you're watching the two quarterbacks play, Justin Fields definitely outplayed Trevor Lawrence, dealing with an injury because that shot to the ribs definitely hurt him. But – I think Justin Fields deserves a little bit more drag stock than crap stock than people are giving him. And he showed why in that in that semifinal game. You know what? You can you can have that. And Justin Fields is project not projected to go in the top ten now. He's sliding down. And I don't know why. I agree with you. He looked great. I think Trevor Lawrence is your prototypical potential superstar NFL quarterback if he stays healthy. The stature is there starting since he was a true freshman. You know, three playoffs, the guy's lost two games now in his, in his college career. I, I think he, but there is no question, Justin Fields showed his worth and said, man, put, just go ahead and put me down and see what happens. But I'll also say, Caleb, a couple of things. One is, you know, I don't know what the hell, and I've argued with a friend last night for a half hour on the phone about James Skalski. I mean, he 100% lowered his, the crown of his helmet and put it in his ribcage, and that is a penalty. And, you know, the fact that he got kicked out of last year's 
semifinal game. How does the guy not learn his lesson? He is so valuable to that Clemson team. He wasn't available when they lost to Notre Dame, their one loss of the season. And then he gets booted out of this game. Terrible. And the fact that they were already, you know, that, that Clemson was already hamstrung much more than we knew by missing Tony Elliott, their offensive coordinator, not calling plays. You could see not the typical imaginative plays that Clemson calls. They were a little bit more, I don't want to say blase, but it just didn't look or feel like the Clemson team. Trevor Lawrence running for his life half that game. I've never seen that offensive line play worse for him. But either way, without question, Ohio State outplayed him. Ohio State proved that they belong there. I mean, and uh, a 49-28 trouncing of Clemson. I'll tell you right now, if Clemson had played like that in the AFC Championship, Notre Dame would have beat them. They played terrible. And I don't know whether it was the loss of Tony Elliott, if it was, uh, you know, Skalski, obviously, on defense getting out. But Ohio State was just the better day, the better team. Ryan Day had a better team on the field. And I'll tell you what, this is a team I believe could beat Alabama and maybe the less wear and tear on these kids' bodies may bode well for them in that national championship game. And I'll tell you one other thing, Caleb, I talked about Tony Elliott not being there for Clemson. How wise is it? It's almost like a conspiracy that somehow Steve Sarkeesian takes the job at Texas as the head coach right before the national championship game. Tell me this, is Nick Saban going to be stupid enough not to let him call the plays in this game? Because he's going to Texas. He's going to call the plays. There's no doubt he's going to call the plays. And Coach Saban, unfortunately, which is the, the the good thing about being such a good coach, he's no stranger to losing coaches to, to other programs. Like the coaching tree of Nick Saban is like as big as the coaching tree of Bill Belichick in the NFL. Like everybody goes to Alabama and then gets a head coaching job the next the next step. So that's, that's something he's used to. I'm going to push back on something you said because you said prototypical quarterback. And this is a term that I'm trying to get rid of. I want to eliminate from our thinking. Prototypical quarterback. If you think of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL right now, I mean, you're going to say Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. The third one's probably a toss up, but you might throw Russell Wilson, let's say, in that category. None of them in the conversation. None of those guys are prototypical. So there's no sense in saying what a prototypical quarterback looks like. I'm talking like about when you look at a guy and, and he's six been, foot We've six. been so wrong. We've been so wrong about prototypical right. looking. Right. Mitch Trubisky was prototypical when he was coming out, okay. of, out of college. Mitch Trubisky, right? Like Nick Foles is prototypical. He looks like a pro. Like, like Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Prototypical quarterback, right. and where's right. he at right now? Like how right. how bad is it for him right now? So the term prototypical quarterback, we've got to get rid of it because the, just because somebody looks like a quarterback and quacks like a quarterback doesn't mean he can play quarterback. Well, so Trevor Lawrence might be he might look it, but he gets to the NFL and bombs. I wouldn't be surprised okay. because we're so caught up with the prototypical look of a guy. Not to mention the fact he's played in the ACC, which ACC all year, which is a basketball conference. He's played his whole career there with a loaded Clemson team, and that's why he hasn't lost because he's playing nothing but bums all season long. Not taking anything away from him. He's good. He's good, but maybe not as good as advertised. And that's first that's of all, what, I'm going to correct you and say. At the collegiate level, saying he is good is maybe the most dramatic understatement of 2021 so far. He is a great collegiate quarterback. Great. Matter of fact, statistically one of the best of all time. So is Tim Tebow. Well, a little bit different, obviously. Tim Tebow, you knew, didn't have the skills. Tim Tebow was never in the discussion of being the number one player picked in the draft. Now, do they get it wrong? They got it wrong with Jamarcus Russell. They've got it wrong with a lot of players in the past. But still, these are pro scouts and pro coaches that know their stuff, and they say he's the number one quarterback in the draft. You know, they, they said it with Joe Burrow. He gets hurt. We don't know. You know, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That is true. I just think this guy, Caleb, 
to me, and again, following this game a long time, great armchair coach. Trevor Lawrence is probably the best no-miss candidate if he stays healthy that I have seen in a long time. And it is, race, it is not just based on his prototypical quarterback body type from the past. It is based on his experience. And he already has NFL-caliber experience with a mind. A guy that started as a true freshman has come in, and he's had tremendous success at this level. And there is no question we see when he is in the game, the difference that he makes yesterday was not indicative of his entire career. I disagree. Okay. A true freshman stepped into Clemson and did exactly what Trevor Lawrence did, if not better than Trevor Lawrence did. So I'm I'm just going to better disagree. they lost the game. He threw for 400 yards and three touchdowns. What do you like? The, the quarterback didn't lose the game. Clemson's defense, which stunk in that first Notre game, Notre Dame game, lost that game. Let's be clear well, about they were that. Missing a lot of players. On defense, uh, on exactly. So I, 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 I'm just saying. A true freshman with zero experience at the college level was able to do what Trevor Lawrence I'm going to tell you, in two years from now, we're going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence going to the Pro Bowl. Remember I said that. I'm telling you. You also the- said that, that Justin Herbert wasn't a top-ten quarterback. I remember we had this conversation last year when I said that Justin, Justin Herbert should have been the first quarterback. Tell me, tell me how many people do you think at one time said Joe Montana was the top-ten quarterback? How many people do you think said that Tua, uh, that Tua Vailanga was the number-one quarterback? Is he playing like the best quarterback available that no. year? For a little bit later with uh, Tua Titan. Anyway, to talk about because the Titan, how they absolutely uh, showed again who Notre Dame really is. And I'm sick of Notre Dame getting in the conversation of the top of the nation because they do this every year. And Brian Kelly is getting all pissed off about it while we're, while we're calling out about that. That they should have been in that game. No, but I'm just sick of Notre Dame being in the conversation. Who, who would have been number four? In your opinion, who would have been number four? Cincinnati? I, who I lost yesterday, too. I, I, I would rather have seen Cincinnati lose than see Notre Dame lose again for the seventh time in a major I, BTS I game. But Notre Dame, based on the strength of schedule, based on the fact they beat Clemson, the ACC, like that's the strength of schedule. They beat Clemson, and I don't. And you're saying that with the quarterback that's just as good as Trevor Lawrence, with with an absolutely beat up defense, and we all should acknowledge the fact that nobody had true freshmen starting all over the place in Clemson's defense that game. And the only two, those are the only two good teams in the ACC. We're talking about teams that are actually contenders for championships: Notre Dame and Clemson. Those are the only. So strength of schedule, you you pitch pot. They had strong schedules. A lot of players out this year with COVID. That was a pretty strong looking. Team. I think if BYU goes under, I would like uh, to see that. BYU is a good team. You know, the thing is, is I think the two best teams in the country are playing for the national championship. And granted, we've only seen Ohio State play in seven games now, but the way they manhandled Clemson and when Justin Fields turns it on, that team is ridiculous. And Ohio State is very creative. Justin and, Fields, and, and, Justin Fields, the best quarterback in college. I'm not going to say that he's not, but I'm not going to say that he is either. I can't say that he is with Trevor Lawrence. How can you say that when every every football mind out there is saying? What I'm saying that this guy is the greatest no miss quarterback, except for, me, except for you. And it's except duly noted, and I'll remember it. If he's out of the league in two years, I will be. We will. <laughs> I didn't say we won the league in two years. Just not as good as advertised. I wouldn't take him with the number one pick. Here's the deal: we are going to take a break right now, real quick. Just a real quick break back there, Demond. We are going to bring in uh, from the black hole. If you saw the E60 uh, black hole special on ESPN. It was awesome. It was done about a year ago. They've been playing it a lot lately. Uh, they they kind of did it for the Raiders' last game at um, the Coliseum in Oakland, and um, they wanted to you know show the feelings. And this is one of the most passionate fan bases in the country, bar none. Kind of cool where they got the idea from the black hole. Which if you saw the E60 special, you learned. I already knew that. And I'm what's, the lead. what's really I know I'm burying it, but what's really cool. About 
about these guys, and I've had Cisco Ortega, the, the president of the Las Vegas uh, chapter of the Black Hole, um, on the show before. These guys know their Raiders trivia. It's not just that they're big fans and they go out there and they get in the end zone and they 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 rile everyone up. These guys are so passionate, but mess with them on the trivia, the Raiders, and they'll knock you down too. And I really respect that about a fan base. It's not just fan because they're in our city and we want to. It's guys that really love this team, embrace the team. And the really cool thing about the black hole is there's an opportunity for everyone to get involved in this, first of all. And second of all, man, these people, it's like family. It's like, I don't want to call it a cult because that gives it a negative connotation, but it almost like is a fan cult for the Raiders. And it is really cool because these people are unbelievably passionate, not just about the game and the experiences, but about each other, Caleb. And that's really cool when you see a fan base. I don't think the place where they got the name from has the same type of passion as far as where they have the camaraderie that the Ladies black hole gentlemen, What you are witnessing right now is Brian Feldman putting on a masterclass of burying the lead. I want to get to Cisco and, and the guys talk about the black hole and how great it is. It's cool right. to hear you talk about it, right. but let's hear from the better. Well, let's do a break. Let's let Spencer hook them up, get them in here. We'll, uh, we'll go to break real quick to mine. When we come back, we will have, uh, we will have Cisco kid Ortega. And um, we also have the guy who narrated it and he'll be the guy to start this off right after this. Your ass back to bed. Fact this. The fact the black hole is one of the most passionate and most recognizable fan bases in the country. This, for those of you who have been living under a rock since 1995, is the name of the cult-like fanatic family of official now Las Vegas Raiders fans. Last December, ESPN did an E60 feature called The Black Hole, and two people featured in that series are here with us today at Kickers. The narrator of that special the Black Hole Fanatic, Akeem Raider 19 Henderson, and the president of the Black Hole Las Vegas chapter, former vice president of the Black Hole in general, who also appeared in the special, Cisco Kid Ortega. That special was really cool and has been airing again recently on ESPN. And here is the way it starts with Akeem Raider 19 Henderson reciting the Black Hole Raider Oath. All right, how cool is that? Uh, that is the way the special started. If you haven't seen it, the E60 uh, special called The Black Hole. Of course, uh, um, Akeem Raider 19 Henderson gets all got, all geared up for every game and is one of the true fans. Akeem, did you have any idea that back in 1994, you guys are all sitting here watching the Cleveland Browns play the L.A. Raiders at that time in Cleveland, and you watch the dog pound at that time considered one of the most passionate fan bases in the country. And you guys start thinking, we need to do something like that for our Raiders? It's actually a lot more complicated. Than I want to hear it. It's very, very, very much more complicated than that. The idea in itself came from a couple of guys that we met along the way. Black Hole Rob and Black Hole Dave, RIP. You know, we got to shout out because Dave passed away a little over a year ago. Black Hole has suffered a lot of family losses. and But we, you know, it's breast opportunities to come together. And so when the black hole idea was formulated, it really was more like a launching pad for all of these other collective artists and talents and people with this verve for the Raiders to come aboard and really make this thing into the monster that it became. So it was really kind of hard to pin it down, but that is the essence of it. It started in a den and we like to crash into each other. We took that den from the mosh pit into the end zone in the South, uh, the South, uh, the South end zone of the Oakland Coliseum and, 
they kind of gave us carte blanche to do whatever we want to do as long as we don't go down on the field <laughs> you know we can handle it but handle ourselves we kind of got a chance to police our own it got really really cool you know, it started with basically the fourth game of the 1995 season. After 1994, the Raiders went back to their original home in Oakland. You got the fourth game of the season. They're hosting the Indianapolis Colts, and you guys kind of worked your way down. Section 105 somehow got picked out, which is right in the back of the end zone. You guys kind of worked your way down there and kind of started taking over that section. And in that game, Napoleon Kaufman has a big run for the Raiders, scores a touchdown, and just decides to jump kind of like a, a Raider Lambo leap into the stands, and that's where it all began. He jumped right into the top of the Raiders' arms. Yeah. The current president of the uh, – the longtime president, I should yeah. say, that's of the, the black hole, and it got it started. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and several Raiders, even opposing players, have talked about the intimidation factor of that area of the Oakland Almeida Coliseum. Well, it's deservedly so because, you know, it was intentional. It would be really, really disappointing after all of the work that we put in to do our best to be an actual element of change for this team. We needed every every needed everything that we can get, every advantage. You know, it seemed like the cards always stacked against us from the referees, the rules, everything, rules, changes. We never get to use excuses. So we tried to use that as an advantage. You pump all that energy into there and you find a few people that know how to blow it out in positive energy, and it became a monster. And we find a new ways to recreate it and innovate it. And now we get in the platform and we can really show the world how to be a true fan base. That's kind of how we look at it, to be honest. We don't mean to be cocky or arrogant about it. But, you know, going to stadiums and beating up on people and all that kind of stuff. And then they try to attribute that to this Raider image. Well, that's not us. It's never been us. We're not doing radio spots out there and creating crimes like that. That's, you know, it was like, where did they get that from? And now that we are in that area, in the Bay Area, I don't even really want to shine air there because they didn't want us there. Now that we're in a home, we have our own place, we have an opportunity to stamp this thing and make it what it's really supposed to be. This is just the first pot. You watch us see when this plant started getting big. You know, I love it. And it started off with a couple of guys, you know, starting to like paint lines on their faces. And again, I'm learning this from the video. I'm not no historian on it, but I'm really intrigued and interested. And it turned into these characters that came out of this. You have, you know, the the violator, which is uh, Wayne Mabry, an incredible personality that literally calls the violator his alter ego. He says when he puts that paint on, man, he is no longer Wayne. He is the violator. You're talking to the violator. 100%. And then you've got Gorilla Rilla, uh, Mark Jerome Acasio is also just a an incredible fanatic of the, you see the gorilla out there all the time taking pictures, signing autographs. <laughs> like it's, it's nuts. Of course, you got Raider Man 19 who was, was not slack at all in the makeup garb and getting it all ready. What, oh, wait, wait, wait. This is my makeup. I know. This what, is what face. What is, you, are, you are an absolute fanatic. What is what was the, the ideology behind all that, getting these fans? And did you guys sit down and discuss it, or one day just everyone showed up in all the makeup in the garb? Well, it was really as organic as the idea of the black hole is. It was interpretation given by individuals. And the way that we did our best to craft it is like, say, for instance, the, the world wants to see the what they call costume fans. We don't call our garb costumed. Those are uniforms. They put that stuff on, they go to work. You know, this is not a mockery. Like I said in the, in the special, these are not caricatures. This is real. This is who we are. You know, you spoke on our brother Wayne Mabry. That man is violator through and through. 
and who he is actually when he gets on that wall and get to do his thing in the game is just like a pressure release in a teapot from who he is in his real life because he's out there in the community helping people and and uplifting folk and doing his best to just be a good upstanding citizen in this world we individually are all agents of change and we set out to make a mark on this world where we can get a chance to express ourselves and do our what we consider job and that's what we're doing now we're bringing a light to what was just fandom and we're about to create a wave a literal tidal wave of a whole new era of fan because people are going to want to be a part of it and there's plenty of opportunity to come on and be a piece we're going to bring Cisco Kidney here one second. Before I do, though, uh, you know, this whole idea, the Raider Oath, I got to ask you because you're the one who recited it to start the E60 special. Where did it come from? I'm, I'm pretty I'm, – I'm honored that you asked that because I wrote it. Did you really? It was excellent, man. It literally came from me, and I get a chance to shout out a few people that don't really get a chance to get any shine too much. But, you know, my brother, man, Raider Rob, who I, I consider discovered me as a talent and started to kind of use some of my – oration and the way that I speak, you know, my angle of speech. And he helped me to kind of craft a way of projecting and then bumped into a brother man named Stoner Dude, you know, my brother man, Mike. But this guy gave me an opportunity. He literally came to me and asked me because of just how I am out there. I got a passion for it. And I've always had these little things to say. We always going through these bad times and losing. And I like to try to be an uh, eternal optimist. So I've always got something. I can't help it. I don't want to take credit, but I give the glory to God. But the truth of the matter is he set a platform for me. And in a few minutes, I jotted down a little bit of something. I actually did that thing acapella. I did it with no sound. And you have to hear the finished edit version where they played it up against uh, a recreated version of the Raider, anth- uh, the Raider anthem. It's outstanding, dude. It'll make your hair crawl on your, on your skin. But it just was literally an opportunity to express myself. I've been through quite a bit of my life, short personals, when we were going to our first, or I should say our last Super Bowl run in 2000, uh, you know, from the 2000 to 2002. On December 8th of 2000, highly unfortunate situation, I got shot in the chest. Now, this was not too long after I had written the Raider Oath. We got a chance to recite this thing out at Ricky Sports Bar in San Leandro. Um, they literally started to create a platform so this Raider Nation thing can take off. And at its height, when we're entering the playoffs, the night before we play the Jets to go to beat the, the end of the wild card game, I get shot. Random act of violence. Oh my Lord. Because violent crime. I don't like to call myself a victim of anything. When you get to survive something like that, I mean, I literally got a bullseye on my chest for no reason. So it's easy to talk about. It's open air. But what happened was... I am so much really that Raider man guy. I missed the game physically, but the black hole commandeered the ICU at Highland Hospital where they saved my life. Oh, I'll tell you the real story. (laughs) Black hole Rob should be telling you this. They went and got a radio and brought the radio to my hospital room and confronted my surgeon and said that this has to be on. Raider man cannot miss this game. I said, this man is in here fighting for his life. That bullet didn't kill him. He missed this game. He'll die. That's wow. And the Raiders blew out the Jets 55 to 10. And I had this beautiful nurse, white-haired, beautiful young lady, come and sit on the edge of my bed. Because I was having a spaz out coming down off of the morphine. And she says that these wonderful people bring this radio into this room. And none of us could understand it because most of the doctors are 49er fans. But when they put that game on, Air, you, you weren't fighting. Your blips were slow. 
but every score you level out. Every score, one client that wasn't tied down would go up and give a thumbs up. And three weeks later, on everything, I was back in the black hole with bullet in my back, <laughs> they entered through my chest. And they wouldn't let me have a dummy. We had a dummy in the end zone then. But we blew out the Miami Dolphins 27 to nothing. And I was out there to experience that, standing on the back of them chairs in the black hole. And you can't mimic that. No, that's not a script that I wrote. That's that that is passion. That's fanatical. That's what the black hole means. And I think that's indicative of everything we're talking about here. I got to tell you, we were talking to a guy. If you haven't checked out the E60 uh, black hole, you got to check it out. That is Akeem Raider 19 Henderson. Uh, he starts it off and narrates it. It is an unbelievable special. We're going to bring in uh, Cisco Kid Ortega, the president of the Las Vegas chapter now. Real quickly, as we're running low on time, appreciate you, though. Great stuff, my friend. And uh, as Cisco comes in and puts the headset on and sits next to me now, I want to tell you the, the, the president president of the black hole in general said this and he talks about this in the uh in the special on their way to the last game and i'm going to quote him right now he says, i'm not going to be able to cheer for anything other than silver and black but for them to be able to pack up and leave a tra a trail of tears behind them it's something that it is in my opinion in my mind criminal and um, how do you feel about that statement? Because I heard it, it is very strong, but now they're in Las Vegas. You're here in Las Vegas. That statement has, has Rob relaxed a little bit on it or is still passionate like the Raiders belong in Oakland? He's always going to be passionate. Um, and he'll still stand by his word. It was criminal. It was criminal. Um, but, you know, like I, like I had mentioned, we have to move forward. You know, we couldn't just pack up the black hole, you know, our, our members who we call family and just close up shop. It wouldn't be right. That, in a sense, would be criminal. So Rob and the rest of us just decided that, hey, man, we got to move forward. This thing can't just all of a sudden after 25 years of being built, um, just go away. So here we are and we're, we're full on, we're full on Vegas. Um, Vegas welcomed me, the people such as yourself who I've met in the little over a year of being here. Uh, it's been beautiful. It's been beautiful. Is there, and I know this is probably a, somewhat of a dumb question because I'm sure the answer is yes, but what do they do now? Is there a black hole still in Oakland and are they going to travel every home game to here? And if the, if the Raiders do play, when they play the Chargers, maybe in LA, that's a, a somewhat reasonable venue to get to. Is Are these the things that is going to happen? I mean, they still exist right up in Oakland. Raider man's here. He's Oakland. Got to be dying so, to move to Vegas now. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Um, yeah, no, no. The, you know, the guys back home, you know, they're, they're making the trips here. Um, a lot of them do have season tickets. So, yeah, they, they, they're, they're planning on coming down. So, yeah, it's, it's not going to die. It's still our uh, mothership. There will always be in Oakland. Um, but, you know, we're carrying over what we can here in Las Vegas. Well, you know – and not to say anything bad with Oakland, but since the Raiders went back to Oakland from L.A. in 1994, uh, just four winning seasons, one Super Bowl appearance, no Super Bowl win, wins, and somehow Vegas has this magical thing in the water. The Vegas Golden Knights start here, three straight tips of the playoffs. The Vegas, the, the Raiders were right on the edge a couple of very close games, or they could be there, but it looks like they're headed in the right direction. Vegas has something in the water, man. When you come here as a new team, even an established team, it relocates here. I think it's a good thing. 
I believe so. I mean, that beautiful stadium. I mean, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. You know, like I said, COVID kind of affected this this planet in a way that we never could imagine. So, you know, had a couple of players not caught COVID and, and they, we, we might be we might be in the playoff hunt right now. You know, so it's hard to say. But, you know, 2021, hopefully it'll, it'll change everything. We'll get the uh the fans, the black hole in that beautiful stadium and, and make some noise, make some have it like Raider man said, and we'll do our thing. And hopefully we'll get to that plateau and, and make a mark here in Vegas. He is Cisco kid Ortega. He is the president of the Las Vegas chapter of the black hole joining us here. Also a star of the E60 special, the black hole on ESPN. Pretty cool. You got to check it out. If you want to learn about this fan base, why they're so fanatical, how it started. It's really, really Compelling and good story. Couple more things for you. Gotta ask you. Um, you had section 105 in in Oakland, the Oakland Almeida, Almeida Coliseum. Now you have Allegiant Stadium. Have you guys kind of looked at the layout and figured out where the black hole is gonna migrate to in the new stadium? Section 123. There it is. Section 122. You got it scoped out and set. Oh yeah. Got to. I'm excited about it. this. Why I didn't. I haven't asked you when you've been on the show, but you relocated to Vegas recently. You're a transplant from the Oakland, the, the Oakland area, up around Hayward, California. Um, tell me something. Did you relocate specifically because the Raiders came to Oakland? I figure that it's got to be job related, family, something. But it's kind of yeah. ironic here you are in Vegas and an opportunity to continue this tradition. Yeah, no. It's a. Let me tell you a funny story. So when it was for work. You know, I was offered a position and uh, after some deep thought, I accepted it. And uh, the conversation I had with Rob was, Rob, I got some good news and I got some bad news. And he was like, what is it, brother? You okay? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, um, I have an opportunity. I accepted it. I'm going to be relocating for work uh, to Las Vegas. And he said, oh, man, congratulations. And he said, well, what's the bad news? And I said, well... You know, I'm your right-hand man here in Oakland. I don't know if I can do that being in Las Vegas. So, you know, I, you know, am I going to – I may have to, like, step down or, or from my role. And uh, he said, are you kidding me? He's like, no, man. If anything, you know, you're going to take the role of chapter president there in Las Vegas. And wow. here I am. Well, it is a great story, and you're in a fitting spot. You're where you should be. And I'm just happy, guys, that when you guys were throwing names around, I'm so glad the black hole instead of the rat's nest. I just, oh. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? There, was there rats in Oakland Coliseum Stadium or something? But you came up with that. Just like I'm very happy that they're called the Oakland Raiders rather than the Oakland Sonors. Um, seniors, imagine if that had been your name all this time. Not quite as gruesome as the Raiders, but guys, a pleasure having you again. Cisco Kid Ortega, president of the Las Vegas chapter, one of the biggest fans in Raider Nation, and one of the one of the premier founders of the Black Hole, Akeem Raider 19 Henderson. We appreciate you guys so much for joining again. The special E60, it's called the Black Hole. Check it out. You see this ring, guys. Before you go, sister, how can people get involved with enjoying the Black Hole? Uh, right on our website, uh, www.theblackhole.com. Uh, Everyone, welcome. Everybody, it doesn't matter who Except you are. Oh, we just have two things wear black, wear black, and come with a positive attitude, and, and your family. And never get caught wearing a Kansas City, a Denver, no. or, or an LA Chargers jersey at a black hole party. It won't end well for you, right? Well, you, you might get hackled a little bit, but at the end, we'll be hugging and it's chugging fun, beers. So it, it, it's it's a good thing. 
These are good people. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I, I say, you know, obviously the reputation is not exactly what you hear in any way, but I like the reputation, the Raiders fans, the skull and crossbones. These guys are for real. And it's not anger or, or attitude that these guys possess. What it is, is it's passion, people. It is passion, a passion for the sport, a passion for the entire fan base of the Raiders and a passion for each other, man. That is the black hole. Get involved. Check it out. The Raiders are here to stay, man, and let's wish them well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you so much for joining the show. Caleb Herring's going to step back in. We'll do a real quick wrap-up on S&B with C, Caleb. The Raiders wrap up their season today. As we know, they are on the road. They're playing the Denver Broncos. Typically, it's a rivalry game. It would be a game that there would be a lot of passion for. This year, it is kind of meaningless, other than the Raiders have an opportunity to end their season as a 500 football team. How important is that for them to end the, the season on a winning note and to be 500 their first year in Vegas? Oh, I think it's uh, it's about taking steps. When you're trying to climb the mountain, uh, you're not going to get there all in one shot, and I think that's maybe what the expectation was because they have a good football team. They, there's definitely could be a playoff team, especially offensively. Uh, without some of the, the hurdles that they had to jump over with, with COVID and injury, it could have been a playoff team. Very easily could have been a playoff team. So I think it's important to finish like you want to be a playoff team. For the experience, one, of playing in December and January, playing into January, that's a part of playoff teams. you got to be able to handle cold weather, which you're going to have in Denver, right? you got to be able to, to show that you can, uh, you know, have the, the the strength and stamina to finish games down late in the stretch. So you got to prove that to yourself first. So I think it's important that they finish strong. Um, although there's not a lot to play for as far as playoffs, there's still a lot to play for as far as figuring out who's going to be on the roster, who's going to be uh, impactful, especially on that defensive side going forward, because there's a lot of questions about who's going to be coaching and, and playing for the Raiders in the future as they try to climb up and get to the playoffs. So um, every game's important when you're trying to build to success. So they shouldn't be even especially with the, the fact that the Broncos are one of their most hated rivals, as, as I've figured out um, lately. It's just like, I mean, one of those things where um, I think the Raiders have everything to play for and they, they should be able to to contend and, and make sure that they get um, a, a win coming out of Denver. So that's that's probably the most important thing, that they're playing against a rival, they're playing late in the season, although it's not for something, although it's not for the playoffs, it's important that they, that they finish the season strong. So I, I think – defensively would be the the biggest question mark and i think defensively they should uh they should have you know especially with a team in denver that's struggling to find themselves defensively they've got to be able to to handle i think the the pressures and the the uh, the coaching adjustments that go on they got to prove that to themselves they haven't done it yet this year so um if they can prove that then that would be good Share a headset here for the last couple of minutes of the show as uh, my computer and my laptop just died, so we can't do the uh, the final wrap-up there. But um, I agree with you, Caleb. A lot of question marks. I don't think there's a question mark that Derek Carr is still the quarterback of this football team and Marcus Mariota is the backup, although we did learn today that your dislike for Trevor Lawrence rivals uh, Spencer's dislike for Derek Carr. It's amazing, but these guys just, you know, they're haters. What can I say? Real quickly, uh, looking around the NFL today, in the AFC, um, you know, there's still seven playoff spots that are undetermined. That is the most since 1990. Going
into week 17 of the season. But people take into account there are two more playoff teams this year. Normally, there's 12. This year, there's 14 because they've added a, a seventh team to each league. But five teams vying for one spot in the AFC, uh, which it, well, well, four teams will get in. There's five teams with four spots. So it's like playing a musical chairs with those guys right now. The Indianapolis Colts are the odd team looking out. There's a lot of things that must happen for them to move forward and go in. And I was looking at this earlier. Uh, the Ravens clinch with a win at Cincy or a loss by either the Browns or the Colts. And uh, and by the way, they're playing the Cincinnati Bengals are 14 point favorite. That is the most that they have been a favorite over a divisional opponent in their history. Uh, so I think the Ravens look pretty good getting in. Cleveland, by, believe it or not, has the lowest percentage to getting in, but they can clinch a playoff spot and end the longest playoff drought with a win over the Steelers or an Indianapolis Colts loss. They can also clinch with a Titans loss and wins by Baltimore, Indy, and Miami. The best bet for Cleveland is find a way to beat Pittsburgh today. And by the way, Pittsburgh, tons of players missing. Roethlisberger, um, Marquise Pouncey, Cam Hayward, JT Watt, and their kicker, Chris Boswell, all out for the Steelers, along with some guys out for COVID. Uh, their tight end, Eric Ebron's out, Joe Hayden, and Cassius Marsh, all out for the Steelers. That kind of bodes well for the Browns that need a win or some a lot of things to happen. The Dolphins might have it very tough. Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, tested positive after the most amazing Fitz magic last week against the Raiders. He tests positive this week, so Tua is not going to have that relief pitcher or closer if he needs it. He's going to have to go the whole game, so to speak. That is going to be a tough game. They're up in Buffalo, and uh, the Bills really not playing for anything today. They're already in it, pretty much have that second position locked up. I think the Steelers can get it with a win and a Bills loss, but um, the chances are the 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 Bills are going to end up with the second seed in the AFC. And I don't know, Miami, a big game for Miami. Miami can also clinch with a loss by the Ravens, the Browns, or the Colts. So they've got a decent shot getting in. The Tennessee Titans can clinch the AFC South with a win over the Colts, a loss, um, a loss, and they clinch a playoff berth with the losses by the Ravens or the Browns as well. And, of course, Indianapolis needs all kind of help too much. In the NFC, it's simple. The Bears win, they're in. If the if the Bears lose and um, the Rams lose, the Bears would find a way in as well. There's different ways, scenarios to be in. But for, for the Bears and the Rams, they win and they're in. We're just about out of time. Let's go to our pick segments. This is the final week of our pick segments. And, uh, Caleb, you have a chance to catch the guests right now. You're the only one that can do it. So we'll let you go first. Oh, hold on. Yeah, so I'm going to go with a team that really has a lot to play for with that number one spot, and they've been doing me good so far. So I'm going to go with the Packers in this bar. It's fitting because the Packers, I think, really want that number one seed that first week by, and they want the the road to the championship to come through Lambeau. So I'm going with the Packers handling their business against the Bears. And I'm going to go with the I'm going to go the complete opposite, Caleb, because I got to beat you this week. So I'm going to go with the Bears, saying that they will cover the four point spread, and uh, they they might lose, but they'll cover the point point spread. So I'm going to go with the Bears, and uh, who Spencer going with? I know Magnum is going with his New York Jets in the final game of the season. Why I don't know, but the, 
and Spencer says he's going with the Denver Broncos hosting uh, the Oakland Ra- the Oakland. How do you like that? The LA Raiders. After all that, I say Oakland. Listen, guys, we want to thank Cisco Kid Ortega. We also want to thank Akeem Raider nineteen Henderson for joining the show from the black hole. As always, kickers, sports bar, gaming, and sports bar. Jennifer Metzger, Dylan Reese down here. Come on down and check this place out. Nine thirty one North Las Vegas Boulevard. Awesome time, and we will be here every week for the foreseeable future. Come on down and check us out next Sunday, and of course. Spencer, the whiz, uh, Ostrovsky, wouldn't know what to do without the kid, our intern, our social media director, and back in studio, Dino DeMond Cotton uh, doing his thing back there. We appreciate it. Up next, you got Pritch and um, and Clay, and, and they are there coming up right after the show, so check them out as well. Sorry, we're kind of a little scrambled here. We're out. We'll see you next week.